Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Conversationalists, welcome. It's Eric Erickson across America. The phone number is 877-973-7425. We're a week from Thanksgiving, and I probably should talk about this every day now. Um, Forget all the other words to text. If you would please text the word donate to 33777. Donate to 33777. Uh, I'm going to send you back a link when you do, if you're willing and able, if you can. There are a great many people who are struggling because of Bidenomics. And they're having trouble making ends meet, let alone planning for a Thanksgiving meal. And if you text DONATE to 33777, I'm going to send you back a link. Um, I have partnered with Hungry for a Day. And they have partnered with food pantries, food banks, soup kitchens, and the like around the country to be able to prepare a Thanksgiving meal for people in need. Uh, A donation of $40 will feed a family of four their turkey and their sides. And uh, they're working with food banks around the country. There are some, for example, where a lot of the the people they help live in housing that lack kitchens. And so instead of turkeys, they're going to do smoked hams so they don't have to worry about cooking. They'll take care of the sides too. Uh, There are other parts of the country where they're working with with food banks that are going to smoke the turkey so the families don't even have to cook the turkey. Uh, just heat up the sides, and, and you, you got the turkey in the sides. Uh, they're doing it uh, around the country, meeting people where they are and the way they need. So, for example, I, I'm aware of one part of the country that has a high Hispanic uh, population, and instead of doing a turkey and cornbread and, and the like, they're going to do uh, smoked chickens and tortillas, which is preferable for that community. But they are where people meet, they're going to meet them, and they're going to help them. And, but they need support. Now, I can tell you, real world, just so you know, my father-in-law uh, runs a soup kitchen. In fact, he's there right now. Um, my father-in-law runs a soup kitchen in a part of Georgia, and they were struggling with their budgeting to be able to feed everyone they're going to feed for Thanksgiving, and Hungry for a Day stepped in and has written them a check, and they're now going to be able to feed everyone they intended to feed. And it's because of the generosity of people like you 
um, they were looking at uh, being out of pocket uh, several thousand dollars and Hungry for a Day stepped up. So my father-in-law's soup kitchen is going to be able to feed all the people they intended to feed for Thanksgiving, and they're going to still have enough money left over to keep feeding people without scrambling after Thanksgiving. There's usually a big Thanksgiving rush that leaves them financially um, not as well off, and they're not going to worry about that this year. And I just, I look, I, I, I got other stuff to talk about, but this one's actually, this one's important to me. Let me tell you all the story of why this is important to me. Y'all, you can get a laugh out of this. When I was a kid, uh, my mom, I thought uh, it was my sister had gotten pneumonia. My sister was in boarding school in London when we lived overseas. My mom says she's actually, it was my grandmother was, was ill and she had to come home to the States to, to be with my grandmom. And my dad decided that we were going to have the Thanksgiving meal nonetheless. And my dad had a, had a Weber kettle um, and my sister and I got together and I was young, but I've been cooking since I was little. I was, I've been cooking since I was like five years old. Um, and I did pumpkin bread. Uh, my sister did sweet potatoes and mashed potatoes. I think I did macaroni. I uh, can't remember what all we cooked, but my dad smoked the turkey. And then my mom uh, called us while we were while we were having our Thanksgiving meal. And so we all went into the living room from the dining room to talk to my mom. Now, you should know at, at our house, the windows opened sideways. They didn't open up and down. So you could lean into the window and slide the window open. And we had a cat, the outdoor cat. My mom called the cat the neighborhood whore. This cat was like pregnant every three months. It was not really our cat. The cat adopted us. There was no one to fix the cat. There was no veterinarian in in the Middle East to fix the cat. So the cat just constantly had kittens. Well, the cat showed up while we were talking to my mother. And the cat was outside and we were inside, but the cat knew the cat could lean into the window and open the window. And our cat, we named her Thomasina. There was an old movie about a cat named Thomasina. My mom named the cat Thomasina. And Thomasina slid the window open. And we're talking to my mom. And we go back in. My dad has labored over this turkey. And there is our cat on top of the turkey eating the turkey. And my father was so furious, he threw the turkey out the window. <laughs> We had every stray cat in the neighborhood in our yard fighting each other. It was like animal kingdom in the yard. You could hear them fighting each other over this turkey that's laying in the yard. I finally had to go out there with a garbage bag and bag it up. My dad was furious. So we had our Thanksgiving meal without a turkey. It wasn't the same without that turkey. We had started eating the turkey. We had a little leftover on our plate. Uh, but we didn't have as much turkey as we wanted. And I just, you know, having a Thanksgiving without a turkey is is just not quite the Thanksgiving. So when we lived overseas, it was the American families were all allowed large kitchens and large ovens. I have a friend of mine who during the Cold War lived in Hungary uh, before the fall of the Berlin Wall. And the Americans got full-sized ovens. They were the only people. They worked for the embassy or, or other American companies. They all got full-sized ovens. And the, and the local communists were not happy. I mean, everybody in these parts of the world were communists at the time. And they had tiny, tiny ovens. But the Americans got giant ovens because the Americans 
had this weird holiday called Thanksgiving. Nobody else has Thanksgiving like us. There are Thanksgiving holidays, but there's nothing like an American Thanksgiving holiday. And the Americans had to have full-sized ovens because of the exotic bird. that Yes, overseas, the turkey is an exotic bird. And they had to be special ordered to these uh, butcheries in Eastern Europe and in the Middle East. And you didn't just get your frozen butterball uh, until later in life. It was a very difficult process. And it was all, I mean, just think about this. This shows you something about the, the ingenuity, the legacy, the power, the influence of the United States. The entire world orders turkeys to feed Americans the the fourth week of November. It's it's a wild concept when you think about it that literally you can't get turkeys in the Middle East. You couldn't get turkeys in Eastern Europe. They, they, they simply did not sell turkeys to eat except in November and only for Americans. And everybody else looked on it with some wild fascination that all these American families have these full-sized ovens that you can't get in Eastern Bloc countries and in parts of the Middle East they have tiny ovens. Except they could tell you were an American by the size of your oven. And you only use the full capacity of the oven once a year to roast a turkey if you were not smoking it outside. There are going to be a lot of Americans this year who can't do that without your help. There are going to be a lot of Americans who do not have the capacity or the money, the wherewithal, the financial resources to buy the turkey and the sweet potatoes and the cornbread or rolls and the green beans and the mac and cheese if you don't help. This isn't to guilt you. This is just the reality. Uh, we are in this country, as almost all of you know, and, and all of you have experienced in some way. I know we have in our family. Groceries are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It is more costly. Some of you may be struggling. And, and there's a side angle in this is that some of you are struggling and can't admit it. You don't want people to know. You are ashamed And I assure you, I understand that. I do. And it's one thing for me to tell you, you know what? You you should suck it up and ask for help. Go to the food bank. Go to the soup kitchen and ask for help. But I know a lot of people don't want to. They're not going to. Can't really blame them. I confess I might actually be in that situation. Uh, if if I were situated as such, just, just my wife, for example, she gets mad if, if she's had surgery or something, and I, I, I'm willing to accept food from uh, our, our church list of friends who want to bring food. She's like, why did you do that? And this is, we can't cook for ourselves. I'm like, I get it. But, you know, I, I remember one time my wife, she had, I, I, I forget, it was one of her, her it was a, uh, I know what it was, lung biopsy for her cancer. And I just, as someone asked if I was open to the, the list of people at church bringing food, I was like, yes. She's like, why did you do that? You and the kids are picky eaters. You're not going to eat half what you're doing. I was like, you're actually in the hospital, and I got two kids and myself to feed plus full-time job. I I'm going to do this. And, oh, she, like, my wife would rather just suffer than ask for help. God bless her. I I'm, I'm kind of the same way. She's more than me. But I know a lot of people are this time of year. But some people just have no choice if they want to eat. They're going to have to rely on a soup kitchen or a food pantry. They're going to rely on a food bank. And those facilities really do need your help right now. This time of year, 
is the most taxing for food banks and food pantries and soup kitchens and the like. So if you can, please text the word donate to 33777. I'll send you a link back. If you don't want to text, just go to the website, Eric Thanksgiving, E-R-I-C-K, thanksgiving.com. And that will take you to Hungry for Days donation portal. Uh, They are partnering with food groups around the country to provide Thanksgiving meals to people who otherwise will not have food this Thanksgiving. And any bit you can give, it's $40 feeds a family for, but if you can only give $5, if you can only give $10, it's worth it. If, I mean, for example, if five of you or four of you give five bucks each, that feeds two people. If eight of you give five bucks, now I'm struggling here, doing math in my head all of a sudden. This is why I went to law school to avoid this. If eight of you give five bucks, that's $40. That feeds a family of four. If a bunch of you give $40, each of that feeds a family of four. There are seriously going to be people who will not be able to have Thanksgiving unless you're able to help. And I I, I hope you can. I don't want to guilt you into doing it. I just want to ask nicely. Um, people struggle in the holidays. They struggle with pride. They struggle with uh, finances for presents and good memories. They struggle for food. And they're not going to be able to get food on the table for Thanksgiving without us stepping up. That's, uh, look, I am i don't want to, I, I really, it is not my desire to guilt you. I just want you to know I have a real passion for this. I, I, I am, I, I, I know people, well, you know what, Erickson, just, just be honest. So when my wife and I were first married, we lived in a rental house and we struggled to make ends meet. I mean, we struggled to make ends meet. The two of us combined made less than $50,000 a year. We had student loans. We were trying to save money to, to buy a house and get out of a rental house. We were trying to get out of the rental house because the rental house was uninsulated. And our heating bill for one month was $600, $700. And we actually had to give up eating in order to pay the bill. Uh, we really, really struggled. And then... Uh, we started making a little more money, and we struggled with diapers. And my wife had had a mastectomy, so we had to we had to buy formula. And there were times where she and I did not eat so that we could buy formula. Uh, I lived that life. My wife and I did. I know how scary it is, and also I know how painful it was for us to want to rely on other people for help when we were struggling like we were. So if you can, it's tax deductible. If you would, Eric Thanksgiving, there's no S in this, it's just Eric, uh, ericthanksgiving.com, or just text donate to 33777, and if you can be generous, there are going to be people who are really going to need your generosity because they're otherwise not going to be able to put food on the table this Thanksgiving. So on my behalf, thank you very, very much for doing this. I I really, I can't thank you enough. Um, I'll get back to real news when we come back, but I just, I I needed to spend a moment with you on that. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show, the perfect blend of news, analysis, opinion, and cooking. Hang on. Is that right? Yeah. Cooking.
Want to be on the show? Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Oh, Xi Jinping has gone to or is headed to San Francisco. They've cleaned up the city. I've actually got a lot to talk about on that, and I'll get to it. Wait till you hear Gavin Newsom's defense. But I, I want to play for you some audio real quick. Uh, Netanyahu was on um, making the rounds of American TV over the weekend on the Sunday shows, and he was asked about all these massive protests uh, by people condemning Israel, supporting the quote-unquote Palestinian people. Listen to this. Those who, uh, those who protest for Hamas, you're protesting for sheer evil. There are a lot of misguided people out there who don't, don't know the facts. You're talking to people who deliberately targeted civilians, who raped and murdered women, yeah. who, raped, uh, uh, who, who beheaded uh, men, who burnt babies alive, who kidnapped uh, little babies and, hostage and, uh, and Holocaust survivors, you name it. These are the people that you are supporting. Now, you cannot, it's like in World War II, yeah. the Allies are fighting the Nazis, okay? Chancellor Kohl of Germany said that Hamas are the new Nazis. So imagine now, the Allies are fighting the Nazis. They've been invaded France after they were attacked by the Nazis. They, uh, they go yeah. into the cities of Germany. They're obviously, the Nazis are fighting within civilian quarters, and civilians get killed. In fact, many of them were killed. Millions were killed. Now, the, who do you protest against? Well, do you I'm, protest against the Nazis, or do you protest uh, against the Allies? And what these people are doing is protesting for sheer evil. That's wrong. By the way, it's a condemnation. It's an indictment of higher education in some of our universities. Amen. Uh, one more from him. I said that we're going to pursue the battle to destroy Hamas to its end. But I also said that the only ceasefire that we would consider uh, is one in which we have our hostages released. Uh, and that remains true. doesn't mean that we can't give a humanitarian pause for a few hours in a, in a place, a specific time and place where we want to have a humanitarian corridor and have the people leave safely. We've done that, and uh, hundreds of thousands have left. Yeah, Israeli soldiers are being killed by Hamas for opening a path for Palestinians to flee. The, the Israeli soldiers have opened the path. It's just a perverse world here, upside down. Now, i got to tell you about Vision Computers. If your tech life is upside down, Vision Computers can help you. They can build your PC, laptop or desktop, and then they can be your service department. So if you have a question, you're not going to have a problem with Vision's computer because they built it, but you're going to have questions. How do you do something? How do you install something? How do you uninstall? How do you set up email? How do you set up your printer? Vision gives you a phone number. You call them 15 seconds or less. They can provide you the answer faster than a Google search. And then if you do run into a problem, Vision's there to help fix it. In many cases, they can remote in. Now, they can do this for your business as well. So Vision can build all the computers for your business, and then Vision can be the IT department for your employees. So if any employee has a problem, needs a question answered, they call that number, Vision answers the phone and gives them the answer, saves you money, saves you down from downtime, and also you get what you need as opposed to the generic one-size-fits-all big-box store computer. Go to visioncomputers.com or call them 404-COMPUTE. Any of you in the United States, anywhere in the U.S., 404-COMPUTE. Ask about the Eric Erickson special. They can save you even more money. Visioncomputers.com or 404-COMPUTE. He's got the courage to tell you the truth because the truth is what matters. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. 
Howdy, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, Sandra, I'm coming to you next. Welcome to the show, Sandra. How are you? Hey, Eric, I'm just great. And um, I enjoy listening to you. Thanks for taking my call. I just had to say the clip from Netanyahu where he was making very important points. And he is the leader of one of the longest standing democracies in, in the world. But I could hear the reporter trying to interrupt him at every moment just at certain times, because I, I don't know what was going on there, but I bet he was not going down the path that she wanted to hear. So she was trying to get something else in. And I, I got to say, straight up dictators, you can interrupt them all you want. And there are a lot of people who do need to be interrupted. But, you know, legitimate leaders like this man need to be heard. And I get really aggravated with snippy little reporters who are out there trying to get their word in. It just drives me crazy. Well, and, and no. you know, it, it, it can to some degree be like talk radio show hosts where it's, it's their show, so they do want a word in edgewise, uh, which I get. Now, that one was, it was Martha Raddatz uh, on uh. ABC <laughs> who, who was kind of interrupting him, which I'm not surprised by her interrupting him. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm never surprised at it, and actually, I commend you. You you let people talk. Uh, sometimes you don't, but most of the time you do. <laughs> you know, I, I, I try. So, you know, when I interview people, I don't like to do a lot of interviews because I, I kind of feel like uh, I'm having my conversation with you, whether you're 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 on the phone or not, Sandra, and, and the other listeners. Uh, so I, I feel like having a, someone interviewed on the show is an interloper. Uh, making you go from someone who's in the conversation to an eavesdropper. So I don't do it. But when I do it, I just, I mean, let people talk. I'm My style is not the combative gotcha questions. Just let people talk um, and explain themselves. And I agree on, with you. Well, on the, you know, those Sunday shows, they're just, they're, they're trying to get people in aha moments. Thank you very much for that, though. And, and gotcha moments. And it just, I, I'd... They're, they're there for a reason, but um, I when I was a kid, I was fascinated by them. I mean, it, it, this is how much of a nerd. I mean, I've always been a nerd. Let's just embrace that fact. When I was a kid, I watched This Week with David Brinkley because I liked, I still like, he is a friend, George Will. We may not see eye to eye on everything, but I always, when I was a kid, wanted to write like George Will and got to know him. We actually got to know Cokie Roberts um, and knew, know her daughter. Uh, never met Sam Donaldson in my life, um, but I just, I watched that show when I was a kid uh, at my grandmother's house. And that's when I learned the power of the, of the, the influencer ads, like Archer's Daniel Midland, the supermarkets of the world, ADM. When I was a kid, I thought that must be the greatest stock ever. I should buy stock in that company. And then I learned how to understand stock is like, Oh, I see they're, they're, they're vying for government subsidy. That's why they advertise on the Sunday shows. <laughs> Sometimes you grow up and you realize the world is not the way you think it is. Like for example, <laughs> what a transition. San Francisco. San Francisco is a garbage area of the country. They literally have online maps you can access in San Francisco to tell you where poop, human poop, has been found. When it rains in San Francisco, it creates health hazards because the amount of human feces and needles and syringes flowing into the sewer system. 
You have heroin addicts dying on every street corner. It is a gross city. A friend of mine who might be listening right now, he, he worked in San Francisco for a while, and he would send me pictures from his office window. And they would always be started with greetings from behind the Iron Curtain. And then it was a picture of someone shooting up heroin or literally shooting another person or taking a dump outside the office window. He sent me a picture one time of a guy who literally had his trousers down around his ankles, was squatted down, holding on to a phone pole with one hand for balance and pooping in the street. He had kindly positioned his body to not poop on the sidewalk, but to poop in the street. They have cleaned it up, not for the residents, but for their natural leader, Xi Jinping. Here's Gavin Newsom. I know folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, that's true because it's true. But it's also true for months and months and months prior to APEC, we've been having different conversations. Oh, oh. So they're doing it. It's true. We've been having these other conversations, but it's also true. They're cleaning it up for all these fancy leaders. They won't clean up for the residents of San Francisco who are now fleeing, but for the leader of the communists of the Global Alliance, they will gladly do it for Xi Jinping. They won't even do it. This is the, the kicker. They won't clean up San Francisco for Joe Biden, but they'll do it for the communist leader. But there's a catch. There's a case, um, they're trying to get it to the Supreme Court. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has previously ruled that you cannot evict homeless people off of public property. You can't just round up and arrest homeless people unless you have a, a place to put them other than jail. And this is the court decision that all the progressive enclaves of America have been using to justify their failures to get rid of homeless people. Those of you listening on my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, you'll remember several years ago in March, uh, a fire started by homeless vagrants underneath I-85 caused the interstate to collapse in Atlanta. This has happened now in Los Angeles uh, with I-10, an elevated portion of the highway. There was a bunch of stuff being stored, and it appears homeless people started a fire and have now caused the structural integrity of I-10 to be cast into doubt, and they've had to shut down the interstate there. And they say, well, we can't remove the homeless people because of this court order. This is on appeal to the Supreme Court where a bunch of conservative and progressives, sheriffs and city councils alike, are asking the Supreme Court to get rid of that decision. So they hide behind that decision to avoid dealing with the problems until the leader of China shows up. They're like, well... We must clean the homeless and the drug addicts out of the city core because our Lord and Savior Xi Jinping is showing up on the horizon. What of Xi Jinping? I was reading an interesting article over the weekend about the man. He is a true believer. Now, you should know something about Xi Jinping. I'm not a psychologist, and I get asked all the time, are you kin to Eric Erickson? Well, yes. He's my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather and my great-great-grandfather. And on and on and on. Eric Erickson is, I am related to him, but not that Eric Erickson. The psychologist, the educator psychologist Eric Erickson. No relation. He is German. We are Swedish. 
We are God's chosen. He's not. But he wrote a lot of insightful things. I am not, however, an armchair psychologist. But I'm going to play one right now. <laughs> so Xi Jinping, when he was a kid, his father and his whole family, including him, were rounded up and put in a re-education camp because they did not believe during the Cultural Revolution of Mao that the family was sufficiently loyal to the party ideals of communism. And that guy got out and has been trying to prove ever since that he's sufficiently loyal. And he has become a true believer. And this article this weekend was remarkable because what the Chinese finally settled on years ago was that the policy shaped the ideology. Communism doesn't work. Communism doesn't work because uh, communism is based on the whole concept of the tabula rasa, the blank slate. People are a blank slate. People are good at heart, and people will work for everyone else in the collective. Uh, you know, in this country, the Puritans found out communism didn't work in 1619. Uh, they came over to this country, and the pilgrims nearly froze to death running a commune in New England. And they finally discovered, you know, we got to give everybody private property. We're going to give each person a portion of property. It's going to be theirs to own and do. And then they can sell their excess harvest to those who didn't turn out so well. It thus brought the free marketplace to America and the idea of private property ownership. The pilgrims brought that over, not slaves. They were doing it themselves, contrary to what the 1619 Project or 1618 Project thought. Well, communism believes that those who have should give to those who have not. The problem is many of those who have not don't have the work ethic, and they just take from others. And it becomes a greed-fueled um, secular fest of hating the wealthy. And then along the way, communists in it has communists have to be brutal because communism is premised on lies. It doesn't work, and the whistleblowers go away. Communism always collapses because of that. Well, the Chinese communists figured that out after Mao, after the Cultural Revolution. They figured out that the policy needed to shape the ideology. So the free market was good, so they would allow an entrepreneurial class to take shape in China. And that entrepreneurial class, as long as it paid its Communist Party dues, the communists would look the other way while those people prospered and brought prosperity to China. The problem is that Xi Jinping, after his childhood re-education camp, is a true believer in Stalinism and has rejected the economic ideas that perpetuated China's growth of the policies make the ideology, and instead has decided the ideology is going to make the policy. And the result is a regression to the mean in, in China. The entrepreneurial class is uh, dying out. They're being chased away. They're being jailed. They're not making money. The entrepreneurial capitalist core of China is being shut down. The ideology is making the policy. And the result is that China is becoming poorer. Its economy is slowing down. And the entrepreneurial class is fleeing the country as best they possibly can. The glory days of China are over. Xi Jinping is convinced ideologically that the glory days of China are ahead of it if they are a true communist state. History shows us all the time. Communist countries collapse under their own weight. 
And then they say, well, it collapsed because true communism has never been tried. Xi Jinping is convinced that China should try true communism and that it will work out for him. It's not working out that way for him. Their economy is not doing well. So he's coming to this country to meet with Joe Biden in San Francisco. The San Franciscans have washed the poop off the streets and rounded up the homeless people and sent them to re-education camps temporarily, maybe drug addiction facilities, God knows where, uh, Soylent Green facilities, and the communists are showing up. And of all things, they're going to talk about artificial intelligence. See, Xi Jinping is actually concerned about artificial intelligence, just like Joe Biden is when it comes to military weaponry. Because it's garbage in, garbage out. It, it's it's one thing you've got to understand for all the hype of artificial intelligence. The artificial intelligence, particularly when it comes to weapon systems in the military, is only as good as the information given to the system. And if the information is bad, then the artificial intelligence will do bad things. If the information is good, it will do good things. But when you have the great firewall of China that limits the information available to the Chinese people to feed into the Internet systems to fuel the AI, Xi Jinping knows this isn't a good thing. Joe Biden knows it's not a good thing either. So that's what they're going to talk about in San Francisco. The only upside to Xi Jinping visiting is that San Francisco has decided finally to clean up. It won't clean up for its residents. It won't clean up for its political leaders. But of course, San Francisco will clean up for its Lord and Savior, the Communist Party leader of China. I'm glad we're not communists here, despite best efforts of some. One of the groups fighting back against those best efforts is Patriot Mobile. They believe in free markets. They believe in free people. They are Christian conservatives who fight for conservative principles. And it's easy. All you have to do is move your cell phone service to them at patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You move your cell phone service to Patriot Mobile, their profits grow. As their profits grow, they're giving to the conservative candidates and causes you care about grow. You win and they win. You get guaranteed great service using the same cell towers you're probably already using, and then they grow the conservative movement for you, compounding all of your dollars together. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can also call them if you want to do it on the phone, 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. They give you great discounts. You're a veteran, first responder, an RA member, a teacher, so much more. Or you can just go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can also go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, put in your, your address and see all the way down to your house how good the coverage is, 5G data voice, all of that. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric or call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. Get free activation with my name. He's got the courage to tell you the actual truth. And popular. It's the Eric Erickson Show. Want Eric's weekly recipes? They're super delicious. Text recipe to 33777 now. All right, I want to go to David's phone call here. David, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I just wanna I, I just wanna make a comment regarding Yasser Arafat. When he was the head of the PLO, when he was alive, he stole one billion dollars from the Palestinian people and stashed it to his wife in mm-hmm. Paris with his daughter. This guy Hamas, he's living in Qatar, he worth eleven billion dollars and he's you know, all they do is, you know, using the Palestinian people to get rich 
and they're never going to have a peace. Because, it's, you know, as long as you can make money out of it, why have a peace? If I was him, probably I'll do probably the same thing he's doing. <laughs> you, you're right. People do not understand yeah. this. I'm, I'm glad you said that, David. Thank you. By the way, uh, the IDF, uh, the Israeli Defense Force, has just shown evidence of Hamas creating one of its headquarters underneath Gaza's Rantisi Hospital for curing child cancer. What did they find? They found grenades, suicide vests, and armaments. In a tunnel under the hospital, they found a motorcycle they believe was used to transport Israeli hostages from Israel into the tunnel location. And the bunker underneath the hospital is wired into the hospital's electricity and power and water grid. That's, that's what they showed, the, the IDF. Now, there are people who refuse to believe it. Uh, the, the Indonesia hospital in Gaza was built by IDF on top of one of their headquarters, knowing that for Israel to get it, they would have to hit the hospital, and that would cause, provoke international outrage. Hamas plays the Western media so well. Hamas knows the Western media is sympathetic to them. I mean, this is, I'm glad the Israelis don't care. They're complying with the rules of war. But this nonsense about collective punishment, uh, the idiot head of the United Nations. Well, that's simply not true. I mean, when you are in the UN and you face a situation that is as horrible and as messy as this is, you must stick to principles. And uh, since the very beginning, I have condemned Hamas. What Hamas did is horrific. Terror attacks, slaughtering women and children. And I've been very clear in the condemnation of Hamas. But there is a basic principle for me, is that Hamas is not the Palestinian people. And you need to be able to distinguish Hamas from the Palestinian people. And so you cannot use the horrific things that Hamas did as a reason for a collective punishment of the Palestinian people. The Palestinian people are not being collectively punished. This is a talking point from Hamas being advanced by the United Nations Secretary General and progressive activists around the world, this idea of collective punishment. Hamas builds its weapons facilities and headquarters under hospitals and schools. It launches its rockets from those same places. You can condemn Hamas all you want publicly, but if you're not willing to recognize that fact and willing to recognize that Israel, governed by the laws of war, are still able to wipe out these facilities, despite the fallout to hospitals and schools, you are peddling Hamas's propaganda. Israel gets to wipe out Hamas. If a school or a hospital or the people therein are killed in the process, that's not on Israel. That's on Hamas. And there's no condemnation of Hamas for repeatedly doing this. And there's little call for Hamas to surrender. Notice how they're not calling for Hamas to surrender. The UN Secretary General condemns them but won't call for them to surrender. Why? Because he's on their side. We should get out of the United Nations and defund it and take the land back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.